Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. It's Wednesday. We're halfway there. Hope you guys are feeling good. I appreciate you all tuning in, especially for those early risers who get up and join us and are watching and listening to us live. Y'all are the best. Give it up. You all probably have jobs, don't you? Or you're like Robbie Theremin and you're retired. Oh. Also, looks like we've got a nice crowd joining us here. Make sure you click that like button and subscribe if it's your first time watching the show today and you find yourself nodding along with everything that's going on. If you enjoy the show today, we'd love to have you come back here. The show schedule, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a two-hour live stream that streams five days a week, right from our house to your house. Mi casa es su casa, or your, your, your house is my house. We're taking over, baby. It's the Wake Up America show, and of course, on Wednesday, it's big brain time, which means that Judge Andrew Napolitano will be in the house. All rise. Hey. Nice to see everybody here. Urs Mommy says he's wearing the disco shirt. Hell yes. Then she pivots and says, I've been up all night dealing with issues. Oh, damn you. Yeah. Thanks. Hope you're okay, Urs Mommy. Nice to see all of our friends here. Don't forget that text line is open. Let's see. Get to the numbers. 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. There it is. All right. Rock and roll. We got a lot of great content today for you. And obviously, we're going to talk about Nikki Haley going down last night. I know. Oh, you're so sad. Neocons are like, God, no, God, they're please, freaking no, out. No. Uh, the Koch brothers, no. well, the Koch institution, they're no longer a brothers. There's only one, oh. but uh, the Koch institution had the wherewithal to pull out before the Michigan primary. But, you know, more people. Oh, no. As long as there is money to grift, uh, they're going to grift that uh, grift that cash. The campaign consultants. We're going to talk about that this morning with John Miltimore. Usually we have them on Mondays, but I'm just being honest uh, with you. Sometimes I forget to book them on Mondays because I'm, you know, Dan, are you my brain? I got the, I got the Biden America brain. Is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was to put him uh, put. Yeah. We're going to have uh, John Miltimore this morning to talk about the blowout loss of Nikki Haley in Michigan. She, listen, she couldn't get enough Democrat voters to jump over into the Republican primary and vote for her. I know a lot of Democrats did, and they tried to eke out a victory for her. But frankly, at the end of the day, it's Donald Trump's party, and he's going to be the nominee. I've got a ton of great clips for you this morning. We're going to show, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's happening in politics. The first thing that I want to hit uh, obviously, some of the economic news that we need to talk about, rising prices of food. Did you see this commercial the other day that Kellogg's released and they're getting this big backlash about how you should eat cereal for dinner? Yeah. They really do want us to live in the pod and eat the bugs, the cornmeal that they mix with the bug meal. Uh, but, you know, I'm not obvious. I'm not a leftist or a communist, but it does sometimes feel as if the elites are trying to herd us all into camps and uh and force us all to like eat like you know to live in communes and now the rest and they're all going to enjoy all the delicious five-star three-star michelin foods on the japanese train that costs two thousand dollars for a three three-day stay uh and uh the rest of us have to live in the pod and eat the um eat the Kellogg's cornflakes 
And why do I think this? Well, because when not only is this, you know, this uh, corporation releasing commercials like this about how you should eat cereal for dinner. But then I'm reading this other article from the Wall Street Journal. It says food is taking a bite out of your income. These consumers are getting creative. Shoppers share strategies for coping with food inflation, including potluck dinners and even hunting. Oh, wow. Amazing. Hunting? Yeah. Have you heard it? Uh, you know, not that we needed uh, advice on what to do in order to save money uh, at the supermarket, but we will talk about that in just a moment. Anyways, just how out of touch these guys are. Here's Gary Pilnick. He's the head uh, CEO of Kellogg talking about um, cereal. The cereal category has always been quite affordable and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. We got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. The other places that we like to go is we talk about making sure we have the right pack at the right price in the right place. I'm be real. I do like um, some Kellogg's Corn Pops uh, and I will eat me some uh, Rice Krispies in a pinch, but not a big fan of the rest of those. This is how you're going to blow up to 600 pounds, right? I've watched the 600 pound life. Apple Jacks was never a big fan. The problem with Apple Jacks is always it like scratches the roof of your mouth. So never been a big fan of the Apple Jacks. But uh, anyways, I, I, I'm just laughing because when I read these articles in the Wall Street Journal, you'll read these articles that'll tell you that the economy is great. The stock market is booming. Uh, why are people complaining? The Biden White House is is saying everything's fine. It's kind of like Baghdad Bob out there talking about how great the economy is. Uh, and meanwhile, you got this idiot uh, boomer over in the White House. Look at him. Thank you. Thank you. Very well, much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction. All right. So if you're listening to the audio version of the show, and you have no idea what's going on. Joe Biden sitting here on set and uh, just kind of walks off just casually walks off the set you know you just it, so I, you know if you've never done tv you're supposed to sit there on the set and just wait for the cameras to stop rolling but this guy has no idea where Try the hell he is or what's thank going you. on so he's like, thank you Sheds up don't go right, anywhere it's off. a very exciting day around here uh we'll have our shuffling off Quest <laughs> <laughs> fanning has identified the real terror which is that great now they're gonna make hunting gay yeah <laughs> Oh my God, guys, I got the matching car hats. Oh my God, I love Chipotle. Uh, anyways, Fox Business nailed what's really happening with the economy. If your day-to-day -day living isn't tough enough right now, wait until you get to your day-to-day -day retirement. So overall, assets of the total retirement market, that stands at $35.7 trillion. That is down over 10% from $39.8 trillion back in 2021. And I just want to zoom in on your defined contribution plans. That's this blue right here. So these are your 401ks, your 403bs, your 457 plans, your federal employee thrift savings plans. Look, they're just kind of spinning the wheels right here, not making you money. And then I just want to go, uh, before I go, I want to zoom in on the 401ks here. Those in particular have slipped and then stalled. If your day-to-day -day living isn't tough. Yeah, da 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 no crap. Uh, anyway, so who's the man who can fix it? Probably the man who said things like this. Taking advantage of the United States. The United States is, if it were a corporation, it would be bankrupt. We have to borrow money from them in order to get them oil. It's not free trade. 
If you ever go to Japan right now and try to sell something, forget about it. And I truly feel that this country right now is in a depression. I know politicians. I've given them a lot of money, and within the system, I give it. You look at some of these countries like China, Japan, India. They're eating our lunch. Yeah, we have all these problems, and we're boggled down in Iraq. Many millions of people that feel that this country is certainly not what it used to be. And you see what China is doing to us. Well, we're going to lose this year $300 billion to China, and they're taking all of our jobs. And all you... China. Yeah. Give it up for the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Dee Sparkles tuned in. She said, good morning. I've not been watching anymore lately. You're it. Uh, I don't know if that's an insult or if uh, you're saying I'm back now, but we're glad to see you here, Sparkles. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. Do me a favor, will you click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the regs. The Wake Up America show brought to you in part by viewers and listeners like you. I know many of you are excited to hear about the new bonus content today. We've been having just a, a hell of a time producing many documentaries for the Wake Up America show. I produce one of these daily, and it's uh, been a really fascinating case study to see how excited you have been about unlocking this bonus content. Today's show is part of our five-part Heroes of Liberty series. This week, we've been featuring some great economists and great minds that have influenced liberty here in the United States. Some of the names you might not be familiar with, uh, for example, on Tuesday, yesterday, we uh, produced a mini documentary for you about Eugene von Bombowerk, which was an Austrian economist back in the early 1900s. We also produced a mini documentary for Monday about Ludwig von Mises. Uh, and today you have an opportunity to unlock a new Hero of Liberty bonus content. Think of it like a trading card. You got to catch them all, right? You got to uh, collect them all. So if we receive at least $50 in donations cumulatively by the end of the program today, you will unlock the bonus content trading card, Hero of Liberty trading card. So uh, you can either make a Rumble Rant donation on the show live right now or purchases at apforlibertyshop.com qualify. So you can go buy a couple of boxes of coffee, for example, at apforlibertyshop.com, uh, buy a t-shirt, buy a hoodie, uh, buy a customized patriotic metal sign over at apforlibertyshop.com, and that will qualify and unlock the bonus content for you today. So if you're interested in seeing today's mini documentary for one of our heroes of liberty and finding out who it is, then you've got to make a Rumble Rant donation. What do you guys think? Um, D Sparkles, I can't understand you. She says, your show is breaking my media fast. Oh, oh, media fast. Oh, good. Well, welcome. Glad to have you back. You just want to let um, our once and future president uh, finish what he was saying there because I was enjoying it so much. The sound of his voice, music to our ears. You have to do is look at Michigan and look at Ohio and look at all of these places where so many of their of their jobs and their companies are just leaving. Proud citizens like you help build this country. And together we are taking back our country from these very, very deranged people. We will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world, and we will end our reliance on China once and for all. In my speech, I warned that our politicians have aggressively pursued a policy of globalization, moving our jobs, our wealth, and our factories overseas. I explained that globalization, these are the globalists. Uh, he's used those terms interchangeably. 
They don't mean the same thing. I really liked what I heard from uh, former President Trump and once and future President Trump uh, in this speech yesterday, which I think is going to trigger a lot of people. Let's hear what he had to say. If you want to abolish Israel, if you sympathize with jihadists, then we don't want you in our country. We don't want you. What do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about that? It's been kind of, uh, it's become uh, chic on the right now to sort of like, sympathize with the Hamas terrorists who are still holding hostages, by the way. But I saw Mighty Megatron this morning over in the Rumble chat talking about how much we're learning now about that uh, leftist airman who set himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy the other day. Uh, Of course, down the line, Antifa, leftist commie talking about how much he hated the United States. Just, you know, if only more leftist Antifa would follow their leader, the world would be a better place. And I see people talking about, oh, he wasn't mentally ill. He wasn't mentally ill. Yeah, setting yourself on fire might have been the first clue that he was mentally ill. But in my mind, joining a group or sympathizing with Antifa should have been your first clue. But setting yourself on fire, definitely the second one. (laughs) Anyways, the nice thing about being a Christian must be that he gets to burn in hell twice. But for me, unfortunately, I only got to enjoy the barbecue once. Anyways, thank you, Mr. President. An interesting POV there. Uh, If you want to abolish Israel, if you want to sympathize with jihadists, then we don't want you in our country. God bless you, Mr. President Trump. We love to hear from our future president, uh, Mr. President Trump. But first of all, we've got to stop the neocons in the room. Nikki Haley is still on the march. Why? Why? Why is she still running? It doesn't make any sense. She's wasting everybody's time. Well, we all know that it's because of money and cash. And we're going to talk to John Miltimore about that in about 10 to 15 minutes. You don't want to miss that. Um, do me a favor. I see we lo- looks like we've gotten on the front page of Rumble.com. We've got 457 people watching us live. Click that like button, will you? I'd love to earn your support. Up us up there. Looks like we're on the front page. With Chicks on the Right and Crane and Company and Ball is Life. So uh, if you'd like to help us to beat out the Chicks on the Right, which they're, they're lovely ladies, by the way, nothing against them, but we're all competing now for your eyeballs. Crane and Company and Ball is Life, then do me a favor, click that like button and of course subscribe to the channel and send us a text if you'd like to have your voice heard on the air this morning at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319. 319-1586. One listener, Kyle in Arkansas, sent me a message yesterday in regards to an interview I did with Daniel McCarthy talking about how we shouldn't be applauding the uh, death of many of these left-wing journalistic outfits. Kyle said this. He said, hey, AP, love the show. I enjoyed the talk with Daniel McCarthy. I'm glad you pushed back. I will not shed a single tear for the journalist class losing their jobs and their reach. These are the same people who wanted us locked in our homes and fired for not getting the jabby. Yes. Kyle, you rap. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, absolutely. I shed no tears for these journalists that hate us and want us dead. And if they can't kill us, they can. They, they want to put us in the pod and eat the bugs. Uh, so, yeah, I, I shed no tears for them. Do, yeah. Do we need newspapers or institutions? Sure. But you know what? Listen, and I said this to Daniel yesterday. I, I think it bears repeating. I've worked at these mainstream news corporations and they are behind the times. These smaller outfits like us, like being able to have an audience of 607 people live like we are right now on the Wake Up America show. Thank you, Rumble. This is the new news. 
People know when they're being lied to. People know when they're being misled. You can fool the people sometimes, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Yes, you can't fool all the people all the time. And people are pushing back against the corporate media's narrative that they try and shove down our throats. They're lying to us all the time. As a matter of fact, speaking of corporate media lying, this morning I, I reposted this article about uh, Argentina's prime Min- um, president, Javier Malay. Let me pull it up for you here so you can see it. Here we go. Wall Street Journal, mainstream media versus reality. Look at this. Argentina's new president loves his dogs. People, not so much. Oh, really? Here's, here he is, El Cabo. El Presidente. Javi, Javi. Yes, yes, he doesn't love people. Here's reality. Here's the mainstream media. Argentina's new president loves his dogs. People, not so much. Here's the reality. Yeah. He's down there. He's with the people. He's shaking their hands. He's up close. He's in personal. Uh, yeah, we hate the media, obviously. We hate the corporate media. I guess I'm in the media. Anyways, you'll have to see it. You can text the show, too. Let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. Again, that's 573-319-1586. Chrissy Katz, good morning from Connecticut. Nice to see you all. 727 people. Numbers just continue to rise. Click that like and subscribe to Wake Up America show five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're talking about how they want us to eat cereal for dinner. Uh, More people are eating rice and beans instead of meat, planning out meals a month in advance, trying to raise more food in backyard gardens. Americans are changing the way that they eat, shop, and live. Uh, Eat, pray, love. Uh, and uh, with a stretch of record food inflation. But the Biden administration tells us everything's fine. There's no problem. There's no problem at all. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was a foot him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Some Americans are now imposing new limits on eating out. Uh, that has become wicked expensive. And coupons are table stakes for many at gro- both grocery stores and restaurants. Readers are buying more in bulk purchasing less packaged food, meat, and organic vegetables. Um, And, of course, everybody's mad at the CEO of Kellogg's trying to tell us that we need to eat cereal for dinner. I think not. One of these fast food companies are losing market share. I was watching a video just last night about how McDonald's is no longer a food that you, that, like, is, is for low income people. Uh, I, I saw a uh, a sign that showed the prices of McDonald's back in the 1990s. You used to be able to get a Big Mac meal, not just the sandwich itself, but a meal. A Big Mac meal in the 1990s would cost less than $3. Can you believe that? Less than $3 for the entire meal. You used to get like 20-piece chicken nuggets for like less than three dollars uh in the 1990s it's unbelievable how much money has been printed from the 1990s until now and even how much money has been printed if you see the money supply charts these days i wish i had one to pull up for you we have printed so much gd money in the last 10 years that it's no wonder that we can't afford the basics and of course 
whenever they talk about consumer inflation numbers, they don't include staples like gas and groceries in those, the things that we buy every day as a ticker for how bad inflation has gotten on the things that you and I buy every single day and the staples that we need to live. Um, you know, changing their shopping ha habits. You know, you should have been doing your freedom garden a long time ago anyway. You know, patriotic people grow their own food because we all know that the food that we go and we get in the stores is wimpy. It's uh, it's a lot of the times the lettuce has listeria on it, right? Have you ever like gotten one of those salads out of a bag and gotten listeria or gotten sick afterwards, right? Like they're just, I'm not going to say they're toxic or they're full of chemicals because I'm not a woo-woo guy, but I will say that the food that you get at the supermarket, it, I typically cannot hold a candle to a lot of the things that you might be able to grow at home. Is that always the case? No. Are you always going to be able to grow the biggest, ripest apples? No, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we were having a conversation, my wife and I, with um, my mother-in-law who visited last week, and she had kind of, become, you know, when you hear the mainstream media or like you listen to NPR, you get a lot of ideas about things, you know, ideas. And, you know, th th that's what they think the, the news is, the media, right? NPR. So she's like, well, it's because people, you know, people are so fat and obese because they can't afford to eat healthy. And I'm like, eh. it's a lot cheaper to eat an, an orange or an apple or celery or lettuce or something like that than it is to go to McDonald's these days. Am I right? I mean, it's not cheap. And of course, there are a lot of people who don't want to make it any easier for us. Okay, now listen, I've got a guest coming up soon. We're going to talk about Nikki Haley down. We've got Nikki Haley down. We're going to talk about why she's staying in the race and what her endgame motive might be with John Miltimore when we get back on the Wake Up America show. Don't go away. Right back on the Wake Up America show. WakeUpAmericaShow.com Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. 1,200 people watching live? Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. I imagine that for many of you today is the very first time that you're watching this show. I'm the host, Austin Peterson. We stream live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. I hope that I can earn your like and subscribe to the channel so you'll come back and join us five days a week and we have lots of fun. We talk about freedom, we talk about liberty, we talk about America, politics, elections, um, cultural issues, and sometimes we just like to goof around. Uh, but today we're talking about some deadly serious topics. The rising food costs and inflation that's hit so many consumers so difficult, more people are actually donning their hunting garb and heading out into the field looking for a little bit of meat. What is this, some kind of Great Depression era novel? Joining us now to discuss is a man who knows a thing or two about economics. That's John Miltimore. He's the editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education. He's joining us live. Right now, good morning. How you doing, John? Doing great. How you doing, AP? Good. Glad to have you here. So, uh, cereal for dinner. The CEO of Kellogg says quite convenient of him to offer that as a solution to the rise in food costs. Don't you think? Hey, I, I think children around the world are celebrating at that thing. <laughs> man, I get. I, I got three kids that eat cereal every meal that they could. Um, yeah, I, I don't know uh, if that's going to actually take off as a marketing strategy. You know, cereal, Americans like our cereal. We eat it a lot, but I think uh, about you know, 80 to 90 percent of it is consumed in the morning. You know, like after our call, I'll probably go and have a breakfast myself. Um, but I, I do think, you know, there is uh, something behind Kellogg's strategy here. Like, like cereal is cheap. Um, I, th I think if you listen to that interview, uh, a bowl of cereal, milk, 
a little sugar, you're talking about a buck for, for a meal. Um, and that is a reason why families might be inclined to start doing cereal for dinner. Um, food prices are very high. We've seen some news come out of this. There's a, re a recent Wall Street Journal story that came out last week. Um, a larger percentage of U.S. incomes are going to food than at any point in the last uh, 20 years. Um, food prices are really high, especially restaurants right now. There's a lot of pressure, let, like re restaurants competing uh, for food, high demand, high, high, high cost for serving that food, making it. Um, so Americans are feeling the pinch in the pocketbook because of uh, these high food prices. So you might see more families switching to cereal. It, it, it's sadly for uh, the wrong reasons. Like, like we shouldn't be celebrating um, the fact that Americans uh, in a country as wealthy as ours are, are shifting to cereal um, because, because it's the most affordable option they have. For sure. And I mean, there was a backlash to it, which I think was pretty appropriate. I mean, we've got to start thinking about eating healthier in our society. And a look at Liz over in the Rumble chat. She is correct when she says you don't have to eat oranges, oranges to be healthy. You can choose less unhealthy food at McDonald's, small, small burger and milk for your kid, right? Have the guts to feed your kids right. It's not necessarily about money. That is true, but it is cheaper to eat healthier foods than it is to go out to McDonald's and places where now when you go to McDonald's, it's like $13 for what they, they used to call a value meal. Back in the 1990s, you could get a Big Mac meal for less than three bucks, John. Um, what's changed? Well, I mean, and it's not, I, I'll just continue on that point. Like the dollar menu. I mean, I, I was, if I went to the McDonald's, I was always a dollar menu guy. The dollar menu is no longer the dollar. You got items on the dollar menu that are two, three bucks. Um, yeah, you, you know, here's here's my advice before I talk into why food prices are high. If, if you do go to McDonald's, get their app. I'm not getting paid to to do this, but um, part of it just being savvy. You know, I I, I take my kids to McDonald's once right once in a while. If you order off their little app, you'll find deals on there every time. I can kind of go back and get those low prices if I kind of say, okay, I'm going to get a buy one get one here, and you, you can use these for different things. Um, as, as far as food prices go, here's here's the thing: we're not the only country. That that's seen this. Another good example is Canada. I've written about high food prices in Canada. They're they're even worse than they are here. Um, and you've had Trudeau and other other members of Parliament up there blaming food companies for this and grocery stores. Um, it's really insane to hear that, um, especially when you go back and, and there there are people you know media were asking Trudeau about all all this money printing. And they said, is there a potential for inflation down the road? And Trudeau laughed at it. And he said, well, I'm not going to worry about, about that now. We're in a crisis. Well, that's exactly why food prices are so high, is we have, we, we, we have both of these countries expanded the money supply um, by, you know, if you look, the money supply in, in the United States increased by about 50% over a handful of years. Yeah, the economy did not grow 50%. So you have all of this money in, 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 the, in the economy. You know, the Federal Reserve just put something out. There are there are twice as many hundred dollar bills in circulation right now as there as there were in two thousand twelve. There's more hundred dollar bills in circulation than any bill, which I found I found that crazy. Okay, like I got I got a lot more ones than fives, you know, than hundreds. But um, they, they flooded the system with money, and, and that's going to put pressure on on all these goods. We have to. An economy is huge. It's complex. Um, and when you print off $7 trillion in about two and a half years, um, you have a lot more money chasing goods. 
And the reason I think food is impacted more than some other things, because if you look, prices are complex. Some prices have not moved on certain goods, right? They're, they're, they're about the same. Other things are way up. And, and some things you can find prices right down, down on the big screen TVs. Every time, there I, you go. every time I go yeah. to Sam's Club, you can get like a 70-inch TV for like 50 cents. <laughs> right. Now, and, and, and so like in my experience, the, the things that feel the most pressure are those things we have to have, right? Luxury t- big screen t- TVs are a luxury. If you're feeling the pinch, you're not going to go get that TV right now. But guess what? You're just still going to you're going to need food. Um, and I, so I think I think that the the products that are most uh, suffering the most from inflation are those things everyone needs to have. Um, and and if you look, you know, it's funny. Paul Krugman was was you know tweeting about this recently. He said, you know, oh. The, you know, we, where's the food inflation that everyone's talking about? But even the the, the, sh- the, the chart he showed, we're looking at about 22, 23% inflation in just the, the food, on, on food in the last few years. So there, there, there's no question it's up now. Has it, have food prices doubled? I think that's what, you know, Krugman was just, you know, straw banning. No, they, they haven't doubled, but they're up considerably. And, and don't, don't, don't forget, these price indexes are not science, science. We, there's a reason we have like seven different price indexes. Measuring these things is, is tricky. You can kind of game the system in some way, but any way you slice it, um, prices are up tremendously. They're they're up because we've printed vast amounts of money during a crisis. And here's the the scary part: we're not done printing money. When you look at it, we're looking at at two two trillion dollar deficits from here on out uh, annually. Okay, and if you look right now. The, the interest on the federal debt alone that we're paying, $1 trillion a year annually, we're, we're, we're paying an interest to finance that debt. That's going to go up and it's going to go up a lot. So there's a reason Bitcoin's running right now. Ethereum's running. Our, our economy is facing, uh, we're at a fork in the road and it, it's going to get nasty here. And, and there's really no way off this track unless we can well, find a way to curb. Is, there is. As a matter of fact, someone is offering a solution. Nikki Haley is going to solve that problem, right? Yes. And that's a perfect, interesting. That's a perfect yeah. segue for me to talk about that. Very briefly, though, let me reset. The numbers on the show continue to climb. So I want to make sure that everybody feels welcome if they're joining us now for the very first time. 1,300 people watching us live. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you to Rumble.com. I owe a lot of the tremendous success of this program to Rumble.com, who have been featuring us on the front page pretty regularly ever since last September. Uh, so I'm grateful to them, and I want to make sure that they know that I'm I'm very, very thankful for their op- for this opportunity. And since you're watching us here, uh, thanks to Rumble, do me a favor, click that like button on this stream, and click that subscribe button too. We'd love to have you come back and join us. This show streams live five days a week. 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, the Wake Up America show schedule is. So it's a two-hour, five-day-a-week uh, news talk show that I think that you'd really love to be a part of, and we'd love to have you come back and join us here regularly. I'm speaking to John Miltimore. He's the editor-at-large for the Foundation Economic uh, Foundation for Economic Education, and we're going to talk a little bit now about Nikki Haley getting blown out at the Michigan primary yesterday. What's your endgame here? Uh, uh, John, and real quick before you um, before you chime in, I do have a couple of thanks I have to say to Urz, Mommy, and Tony Martinez for their $10 donations each. Real quick, uh, that's $30 towards our $50 goal. This week we've been doing Hero, Heroes of Liberty mini documentaries. 
Uh, and we're $30 towards our $50 goal to unlock today's mini documentary. The last two days have been about uh, Eugene von Bombewerk, which I'm sure you know, John, and of course, Ludwig von Mises on Monday. So today they get to find out if they unlock it, who the next hero of liberty is. So um, the opposite of a hero for liberty, hero for tyranny, <laughs> Nikki Haley. What, what's the game here, John? Why is she still in the race? Yeah, I, I think there are reasons for Nikki Haley to to stick around, even though you know a lot a lot of people want her out. And if, if she if she announced today she's leaving, I would probably have a small toast to that as well. Um, but there are reasons for her to stick around. Uh, Su Super Tuesday for for one is right around the corner. It's that you know we, everyone probably is familiar for those who aren't. It's, it's that big Tuesday where you have all these different states that are going to vote uh, for president, and people might think, well, well, so what? She's still not going to have enough delegates. Um, well, things can happen at the convention, even if she gets a certain number of delegates, even if she, and if she can win a certain number of states. So I, I'm not somebody that, that goes pouring into the convention rules for, you know, political parties, you know, in, in conventions and so forth. But if you, if you dig around, if she wins a number of states, like she can, um, control the convention to a degree and use that to get certain concessions, to get, um, <clears throat> in, to negotiate with, with Trump. Um, oh, and no, John, no. I mean, come on. Don't you remember the Ron I, Paul I think years? that's part of the reasoning. Yeah, I, I think that's part of her reasoning. Now, let me, let, let me add another reason. Um, right now, we're not even into March yet. And we're looking at the likelihood of having two really old candidates competing, you know, to be president in, in November. Um, I don't know the chances of Biden and Trump both being, you know, here when, when, when ballots are cast, you know, in, in November, but they're, they are both old and, and the chances of, of one of them not being on that ticket for some reason, I think are fairly hot. Now, if, if Nikki Haley is still campaigning and running and, you know, something happened to Donald Trump, let's say he had a stroke, let's say he had a heart attack, let's say an accident happened, Nikki Haley would be the presumptive person to, to, to fill that gap. See, I disagree. Um, so that I could disagree. be a play as well. I, I disagree. I would I would say my guess is, is what would happen is is because the party, I think the majority of the Republican Party is so aversant to Nikki Haley, is that the power players at the uh, GOP's convention, even if Donald Trump were to keel over today, would probably pull a switcheroo and use parliamentary procedure to block any opportunity for a, a Nikki Haley. I mean, you know, we might see like a, a Tim Scott or a Christy Noem or a Ron DeSantis, right? I think that would be far more realistic. But John, the party has moved away from the neocon consensus of the Bush years. That's a good thing, isn't it? It it is if they have. I'm not sure that they have. And and, and here's what you're you're presuming. You're presuming that the the party figures in Washington D.C. are a reflection of the voters. I, I think that's a mistake. I think you're right that voters have have moved away from the neocon, you know, the the, the Bill Crystal, what the party might have looked at 25 years ago or something of you know some of those other elements. Um, it, it's far less anti-war. It's it's far less, you know, way more anti-establishment. Uh, um, but but don't presume that the people that are going to make be making those decisions are like that. There's a lot of people that love Nikki Haley. There's a lot of people that. That that she's the, the only candidate out there that doesn't embarrass them, and if you look, you know, like 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 look who's been funding her campaign. Like like it was, you know, uh, the Coke establishment has been giving gobs of money 
right? And again, it's, it's very inside the beltway, um, kind of squeaky clean. They've been, not, they did just announce they're going to be cutting her off. And I think we are going to see that. Like, like you're going to have the only people that are going to still be donating to her campaign as this continues will be will be progressive. Like, right? We'll be the Trump hater, the never Trumpers, and 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 you'll have some some neocons and the only people like that. that I've seen that are like that are voting for her in a lot of these primaries are Democrats who are crossing over. I I personally know Democrats who because there's no competitive primary on the Democrat side, they're coming over to the Republican primary and they're voting for Nikki Haley because they can't stand Trump. So, I mean, I mean that, that to me is not a sustainable campaign that's going to take you through the convention. I mean, she wouldn't represent what I think the body of voters of the Republican Party would be. I don't see any chance for her making it across the finish line. But one of the things that you haven't mentioned here is the whole consultant class. People make a lot of money on these campaigns, don't they, John? Oh, they certainly do. And, and, and let, let, she's got a good role. Well, the money's coming in. She's kind of living the dream. She's traveling. She's paying all of her, the, 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 the people that kind of come behind and, and you know, lift up your, your gown as you're going. Like there, there's, these people love it. Like the, the political class loves campaigning. They love the cameras. Um, as long as those checks are keep coming in, there's no reason for her to shut this down. She's getting her political message out there, which is, let's face it, a lot of people run for president just for that. Like they don't really think they're going to win, but they're going to be out there. They're going to be visible. They can get a message across. And and this isn't minor stuff, right? Like we're looking, Haley, Haley, I think is, is really believes in her message. Like we're seeing right now some really crazy stuff going on with NATO, things that we haven't seen before. Um, where there's tensions rising in, in the East over there, um, where we're talking about NATO going to war with Russia right now. And, and she, Nikki Haley believes in, in, in the mission of, of NATO, not just even the traditional mission. Like, I think she would be one that would want to aggressively support Ukraine with NATO. Um, and there's a lot of people that agree with her and think that would be uh, of vital importance. Um, so, so keeping that conversation out there, keeping that, uh, momentum for that, I think, is in the interest of Nikki Haley and those who support her. That's a good point, John Miltimore. Uh, thank you to Mo Conservatarian over in the Rumble chat. He just dropped $10 in the tip jar and said he's donating a box of cereal to help promote economic freedom to eat whatever we choose. Very funny. Puts us $40 up towards our $50 goal. Either purchases at APForLibertyShop.com or another $10 donation will get us over the top so you can find out who today's Hero of Liberty is. Open up your trading card, find out what's inside. What is the mini documentary all about? John, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today before we let you go? No, that about covered it. Check out our content on fee.org. And I'm on Substack writing under the, the Take by John Miltimore. The Take by John Miltimore. Let's get a drop of the link in the chat for that so you guys can follow him. John, we always appreciate you, even if it's a bit unorthodox to have you on a Wednesday. Have a wonderful yeah. day and thanks for being so generous with your time. Great being with you, AP. Have a great week. Thanks so much. That's John Miltimore. Give him a round of applause. Always appreciate his points of view, even if we don't always agree on things. I found myself disagreeing with him quite a bit there on the Nikki Haley question. But you know what? This is not an echo chamber. This is a show where we go to learn about and listen to ideas that sometimes are scary to us. Uh, speaking of uh, war with Russia, I, I found this clip from the Nixon Foundation yesterday in his presidential library, which has been putting out a lot of really good Richard Nixon content of all things. Uh, and uh, this clip from him, I thought, was oddly prescient, talking about the future of Russia. Keep in mind, this is about uh, this is before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Well, Russia at the present time is at a crossroad. 
It is often said that the, the Cold War is all over and that the West has won it. That's only half true, because what has happened is that the communists have been defeated, but the ideas of freedom now are on trial. If they don't work, there will be a reversion to not communism, which has failed, but what I call a new despotism, which would pose a mortal danger to the rest of the world, because it would have be infected with the virus of Russian imperialism, which of course has been a characteristic of Russian foreign policy for centuries. The West has, the United States has, all those who want peace and freedom in the world, a great stake in freedom succeeding in Russia. If it succeeds, it will be an example for others to follow. It will be a for China, for example, to follow. If it fails, it means that the hardliners in China will get a new life. They will say, it failed there, there's no reason for us to turn democracy. That's part of what is at stake here. Well, Russia at the present time... Yeah, and that's uh, former President Richard Nixon making a prediction about the end of the Cold War. Fascinating conversation. I highly recommend that you follow the Nixon Foundation and their presidential library online. They've been releasing ser series of clips talking about foreign policy that are oddly prescient about the challenges that we face now. Um, good morning to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm glad to have you here and thankful for all the shows of support. 1,600 people joining us live. I am feeling you know, extremely grateful. Um, not humble because I'm just not a humble man. <laughs> You're toxic. I'm slipping under. The uh, Wake Up America show is glad to have you here. I hope that you'll click like and subscribe to the channel right now if you enjoy this kind of content. Where else can you get it? We're going to speak to Judge Andrew Napolitano in about 10 minutes about the fears that Donald Trump might invoke the Insurrection Act, ironically enough, against the left if he wins the presidential election this fall and the left riots. Okay, what are we saying here? The Wall Street Journal article that I'm going to share with you in uh, uh, just a few minutes uh, is titled, Fix the Insurrection Act Before a Trump Inauguration. If Congress fails to do so, troops could crush protests to begin a second term. We're going to talk to Judge Napolitano about that before we get there. How about, would you guys like a little bit of, would you like a little laugh before we get to the really dark and heavy stuff? This story cracked me up yesterday. Camilla Grabska, Irish lady, alleged that she was unable to do daily activities as a result of a minor car accident. She lost $800,000 in a disability case after she was being, she was spotted throwing a Christmas tree. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I kid you not. Um, the, uh, the, this is the, the picture that just sits <laughs> worth, it's worth uh, 800,000 words, if you will, $800,000, if you will. Check this out. So this lady, Camilla Grabska, she lost 800 grand. She had, after she had this car, this, uh, lawsuit stemming from the car crash, she sued an insurance agency after she said that she had debilitating neck and back pain that prevented her from holding down a job in five years, according to the Irish Independent. She's a mom of two. The car accident was a result of someone hitting her car from the year and allegedly left her unable to carry your young children or complete household chores. Uh, anyway, so newspaper reports soon surfaced of Grabska competing in a Christmas tree throwing event on January 8th of 2018. <laughs> Uh, the competition involves throwing a roughly five-foot spruce trees as far as they are able. So the Irish High Court reviewed a photo of Grabska launching a tree, which the judge described as a very graphic picture. Like, no, that's Scottish. I need Irish. It's a very graphic picture, according to the Telegraph. There you go. Good job, dummy. 
<laughs> uh, the judge says it is it is a very large natural Christmas tree and is being thrown by her in a very agile movement. I'm afraid I cannot but conclude the claims were entirely exaggerated. On that pra- per- on that basis, I propose to dismiss the claim. Yes, sorry. Grabska denied that she faked her injuries in court, saying she was trying to live a normal life according to the telegraph. But as you can see from the picture right there of her throwing a five foot spruce tree, it doesn't look like she was all that injured. <laughs> oh, anyways, it's a great show. We have a lot of fun here on the Wake Up America show. Real quick, just a, a, a reminder before we get Judge Napolitano in there. Brand new product just dropped over at APForLibertyShop.com this week. My Javier Malay Afuera sneakers. They are beautiful. They are sensual. And look, they even got my cool little branded logo in there. Um, Afuera sneakers with the beautiful Argentinian flag colors. Uh, and the sun, the, as you can see right there, and of course, Javier Malay's lovely face right there with his signature slogan, Fuera. There you go. You can get those at APForLibertyShop.com, exclusively available at APForLibertyShop.com. And if we raise at least 10 more dollars by the end of the show or make one sale, essentially, over at APForLibertyShop.com, somebody could buy a box of coffee, Founding Flavors Coffee, for example. That would do it. If you'd like to find out who today's hero of liberty is, then you have to do us a favor and um, you have to uh, make that donation to unlock that bonus content for the Wake Up America show. And right now would be a good time to do it, especially because we've got just enough time to play the mini documentary for you before Judge Napolitano joins us on the show. I do have a couple more topics that I want to talk to you about today when we have time. There's this video that was going viral yesterday of these girls at Mardi Gras who are all dancing. And the subheading for the video was, this is why um, no one wants Western girls. Now, here it is. Why men don't want Western women? Question mark. And I'm going to play the video for you a little bit later of these girls who are all dancing. They're having a good time. They're at Mardi Gras. They've got those big stupid cups. And it caused a firestorm online. So this question of, you know, is this the reason that Western people don't want to have is this why Western men aren't interested in Western women? You can see there's a picture right there. I'll play the video for you here in just a few minutes uh, after the Judge Napolitano stuff. We're going to do big brain stuff before we do brain drain stuff. That's how we operate is the best we can on the show. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on that. Don't forget, you can text the show 573-319-319. 1586 is the text line. Again, you can text us and let us know what's on your mind. 573, if you have questions, 573-319-1586. We love to see you there. 1,800 people live. Amazing. The record for the Wake Up America show for the most amount of viewers that we've ever had live was right around 3,000. I don't think that we cracked 3,000. But we hit uh, around 2,800 at one time, so that's the record. Um, and, uh, you know, having 1,800 people joining us live is just, it's, it's a tremendous honor, and we're grateful to have you here. We do hope that we'll earn your subscribe to the channel, and you'll come back and join us here on the regs. Okay, well, Judge Andrew Napolitano to talk to us about the Insurrection Act. If the left riots when Donald Trump wins the presidency... Will he use the power of the federal government to crush the protesters in these states if the governors don't do it? He's threatening he might. We'll talk about that with Judge Napolitano when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. 
Rise in Freedom, almost 2,000 people watching us live. I am so grateful. Thank you, Rumble.com, if you're listening down there in Sarasota, Florida, at your headquarters. Dylan and Siraj for promoting the show and helping us to be introduced to so many people. If you love economic freedom and personal liberty, you're in the right place. The Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to have you click that subscribe button so you can come back and join us regularly because the conversations that we have here, you don't hear anywhere else. The next guest that we have is my regular Wednesday guest. He joins us at 8 a.m. Central Time, and we call this segment Big Brain Time, not just because we're going to be talking about big brain concepts, but we're going to really get down into the nitty gritty of the philosophy and the ideas that underpin the policies that politicians, politicos, activists, and philosophers and economists are all debating. It's Judge Andrew Politano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which tens of millions of people are turning into. It's the greatest success I think I've ever seen. And more people tuning in to hear Judge Andrew Napolitano than most any show on MSNBC. They call it the lamestream media. That's because people like Judge Andrew Napolitano can command much bigger audiences than they have on the old corporate press. You know, we used to work together at the corporate press. Judging, uh, judging Freedom Star, Judge Andrew Napolitano joining us live right now. Congratulations on all your successes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Weston. Those were very happy days when we worked together in that corporate environment. Yes, the, I guess you could say the nice thing is, you know, that we were together. We had an office space paid for us. We were on the what a 50th floor of Fox News looking down on Times Square you know, grousing with Bill O'Reilly when he would get mad when I would sing too loud in my cubicle because I was always, you know, a little bit too chipper for the people there at Fox. But uh, and they were wonderful days. But now look at us, Judge, you know, successful on our own right, in our own way. Your Judging Freedom podcast has become an absolute runaway hit. You must be thrilled. Well, I am thrilled. I'm I'm uh, very grateful to the viewers. It just keeps growing and growing. We broke 300,000 subscriptions this week and this month. I think we will reach 10 million views, which is really pretty extraordinary for something that's only been around two and a half years. Liberty is popular, Judge, and you certainly are out there uh, doing the yeoman's work to make sure that these ideas stay alive. Let's talk a little bit about liberty in regards to current events. Judge, I'm a little confused about the um, the article that I was reading in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. The title of this piece was an op-ed concerning Donald Trump's powers to be able to suppress what might be considered an insurrection. I find this to be quite ironic that he and his people are called insurrectionists. And now I'm reading an article that says that they would de- they desperately are hoping to fix the Insurrection Act before a Trump inauguration, what is the Insurrection Act and how could Donald Trump potentially use it? Well, any president can use it. It's actually a, a series of um, five statutes, uh, the initial of which is a Reconstruction Era uh, and was intended to prevent the federal government from using the military for ordinary law enforcement. This is part of the reforms uh, in the seventeen seven in the eighteen seventy six era, uh, that ended Reconstruction, that ended federal troops uh, in the streets, that ended the federal management uh, of the states that had uh, seceded uh, and fought in the war war between the states. 
gradually the prohibition on the use of federal uh, troops was weakened and watered down uh, about four times uh, since then, so that now, not just Donald Trump, Joe Biden, whoever happens to be president of the United States at the time, uh, can use federal troops uh, when requested by a state legislature, an unusual event, but it has happened, uh, when uh, requested by a state governor, that has happened as recently as um, uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina in uh, New Orleans. And when the president himself uh, decides uh, that there is uh, such substantial disorder in the streets uh, that even though safety is not an issue for the federal government, it is an issue for the states, the feds can move in and bring troops in. Uh, there is the Posse Comitatus Act, which prohibits the feds from using uh, the military for ordinary law enforcement, but there's so, so many exceptions to it, the president can interpret it almost any way he wants. I fully agree with those who believe that the Insurrection Act needs to be uh, amended. Uh, in fact, it needs to be done away with. The statute should simply say, uh, the United States military shall not be involved in law enforcement, uh, period. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's one more opportunity that any president has to become a dictator. I mean, the, the reason this is being raised now uh, is because of comments Trump made in one of his interviews. I think it was with our former colleague, Sean Hannity, that he would be dictator for a day. Uh, a funny phrase, but that's what he said. Uh, and this would probably, this, this dictatorship, which is so antithetical to any American value, would probably take the form of uh, the use of the military. Would the military comply with orders to do that which is uh, violative of the spirit of the Declaration of Independence and of the Constitution? I don't know. Awesome. I mean... Uh, there's plenty of people who have taken oaths to the Constitution that would that have absolutely violated it, Judge. We see it quite regularly. I mean, you know, speaking of federal troops, I mean, how many IRS, you know, militarized IRS agents are there that operate every single day in the many states? But in sure. regards in in regards to the Insurrection Act, you say that it is lawful, but according to your own personal views, it should not. It is not legitimate and should be amended. Is that correct? Correct. It is lawful because Congress has, uh, has said it was lawful. There is nothing in the Constitution uh, that prohibits the use uh, of the military in domestic law enforcement except the tradition that uh, the states are in charge of safety and, and domestic law enforcement is not an area uh, delegated to the federal government in the Constitution. It's reserved to, to the states. Sometimes the Congress recognizes this. Congress recognized, for example, that it doesn't have the authority to regulate speed limits. Eh, so it bribed the states. Here's $100 million, um, South Dakota, to uh, repave all the federal highways in your state. But the strings attached are you got to lower the speed limits. Supreme Court said they can do it. So Congress sometimes recognizes that there are areas of human behavior obviously, notoriously, openly, and legitimately reserved to the states. Public safety is one of them. 
uh, and Congress cannot enhance its own authority without amending the Constitution. But because it is said to the president, you can use um, the troops in the case of domestic uh, rebellion. Now, what can he use the troops for? Well, he can use the troops to quell the rebellion. He can't arrest people and suspend the writ of habeas corpus. There are other prohibitions on that. That's a direct prohibition uh, in the Constitution. Only Congress can suspend the writ of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus is the right of anybody restrained against their will by the government to be brought to a jail before a judge within a reasonable period of time and have the restraining authority justify the restraint to the judge. Only Congress can suspend that right, and Congress can only do it in the case of a rebellion, and the Supreme Court has defined rebellion in that instance to mean such a conflagration in the streets that the courts cannot meet. Um, we have never had that situation uh, in the United States, even right after 9-11, uh, the, the World Trade Towers were less than a half mile from the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C. 9-11 was on a Tuesday, but the following Monday, the courts were meeting. So uh, that's a pretty high standard for incarceration. But there is no standard under the law for the use of troops to push people aside. Judge, uh, you know, it does appear as if we are hurtling towards a potential disaster knowing what we know about how triggered to use a word is the the left by donald trump i i think it is a very possible scenario that there will be riots in the streets if donald trump is reelected. very similar to how we saw what happened during the covid 19 pandemic and the black lives matter riots in minneapolis and kenosha uh in seattle with Chaz. Uh, and and in other places around the country as well. If something like that were to occur, wargame this scenario with us. I mean, what what Donald Trump is in, you know, there's what we would want Donald Trump to do, and then there's very likely what he would do. We may actually see something like this play out. It's very dangerous, but then what about the citizens in these in these cities, these these individuals whose governors will not protect their life, their liberty, or their property? Does the president not have a, a, a moral prerogative, if not a legal one in your, in your mind, to protect the life, liberty, and property of the citizens in those states if Governors Newsom or Hinkle uh, refuse to protect the life, liberty, and property of the citizens from violent terrorism on their streets? Well, that's a great question. I mean, does the government have a moral duty to violate the Constitution in order to protect human life? I mean, under natural law theory, the answer is yes. Um, I can't imagine Donald Trump's going to debate natural law theory. He's just interested in the exercise. Uh, <laughs> He's just interested in the exercise of power. I'm going to take a little aside here, if you'll allow me. I can't be on air next Wednesday with you because I will be in the Vatican giving a lecture on natural law theory on the to commemorate the 750th anniversary of the death of St. Thomas Aquinas, who's the modern codifier of natural law theory. Okay, back to uh, back. Congratulations, to by the way, Judge. That's fantastic. I'm still pinching, still pinching myself that they asked me to uh, to uh, to do this. There are about 15 uh, Catholic. Uh, scholars and academics plus me 
uh, each giving the lectures. I'm giving the keynote at the end of the two days of this, uh, two and a half days of these uh, lectures and seminars. So I'm quite ecstatic about it. Well, congratulations, Judge. We will definitely forgive you for that, Judge. Will, will it be recorded? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes, it will be recorded and we'll post it and you'll uh, you'll be able to uh, to see it. But but back to the very intriguing uh, question that you asked, you know, if the mobs are just expressing an opinion with which the president uh, disagrees, that's one thing. But if the mobs are destroying uh, life, preventing movement that's impairing liberty uh, or threatening property, well, that's another thing. And one, one could argue that it is the moral obligation of anyone who has the power to do so uh, to preserve uh, life, liberty, uh, and property. Uh, I honestly think he wants to use the military to um, uh, forcibly evacuate uh, undocumented immigrants uh, from the country. And while he's at it, to uh, supplant the police departments of c in cities and states where he doesn't like the way they're being uh, operated. Uh, the latter, uh, without a, a real substantial imminent threat to life, liberty, or property, is totally uh, improper. Uh, the former I would advise him uh, against because it's going to cause catastrophe and harm to a lot of innocent, uh, uh, decent people. But uh, we'll see. But the, but the article you read is a very profound one. I don't know the author, but I do know the person they cite in there, Jack Goldsmith, uh, who teaches uh, civil liberties uh, and constitutional law at Harvard. And I agree entirely with uh, Professor uh, Goldsmith that the time to change that law is now because Trump would veto any change and his veto probably would not be overridden. Something ironic about the left, again, uh, claiming Trump and his allies are insurrectionists, and yet they are all terrified that the left might have an insurrection, which Trump might crush. Fascinating times that we're living in here, Donald Trump. But uh, uh, Judge Napolitano joining us live right now. But this is why we are such kindred spirits, Judge, is because you understand the difference and, and articulate the difference between what is legal, what is moral, and what is constitutional. And most people are unable to recognize the difference between these three concepts. What is legal may be immoral. What is constitutional may be immoral. And these three concepts don't always intersect. Sometimes there is something legal, moral, and constitutional. For example, the Second Amendment and protecting our, our civil liberties, our rights to own a firearm or our free speech. But then there may be something that is illegal, perfectly moral, and constitutional or unconstitutional. So sort of threading the needle between these three concepts is, I think, really where a lot of people struggle in order to provide uh, to to build a framework for their philosophy. Because as you articulated a few minutes ago, you said that it would be if, if it were unconstitutional or illegal to protect someone's life, liberty or property. You should do it anyway, because the moral truth, the moral correct position is to always protect life, liberty, or property, even if the Constitution says it doesn't, it says that you shouldn't, even if the law says that you shouldn't, because what is moral may not necessarily be legal. Isn't that correct? Well, I think you've, you've summarized it beautifully, but I, I must tell you, sadly, 
arguments about whether or not something is legal for the government to do are made every day. Arguments about whether something is constitutional for the government to do are made every day. Arguments about whether it is moral for the government to do something never made, never made. And when they are made, it would take a judge with my uh, mentality and attitude uh, about all of this for it to resonate. The vast majority of judges might let you make the argument, but it would go in one ear uh, and out the other. And basically saying, I I'm not St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I'm just a judge who has to follow the Constitution uh, and the law. But the Constitution, there's the idea of the law, there's the ideal of the law, and there's the moral values that underline the law. When the idea and the ideal clash with the moral values, there is no obligation to obey or to enforce that law. Not many judges agree with that, sadly, uh, Austin. We're uh, speaking to Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast. We're grateful to have him here live with us. And the thousands of people who are tuning into this show right now, I think, would benefit from his vast array of knowledge that he um, that he expounds on in his show, Judging Freedom, which you can download on any of your mobile devices. He also has a weekly column that you can read at judgenap.com that comes out every Thursday, and he typically offers us a little sneak preview on the show. Um, tell us a little bit about your column this week, Judge. I found it fascinating. Would you like to give us a preview? Sure, sure. The, the column, again, I've done this many times, uh, exposes and bemoans uh, the torture of people who are arrested in the days and weeks and months and years uh, following 9-11 at the orders of George W. Bush, who was uh, prompted to do all this by his vice president, uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, now, uh, after 22 years, College Sheikh Mohammed is coming time for trial. Uh, and uh, the government wants to use words that he uttered during and after torture against him. And when the government wants to do this, the government must prove uh, that the words uttered were voluntary. And the standard of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt and to a moral certainty. That's the highest standard of proof in American law. That's the same standard of proof necessary in order to prove guilt uh, in a criminal case. So in hearings last week uh, at Gitmo, where the government's chief torturer was on the stand, he professed memory lapses about what he said to Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and what Khalid Sheikh Mohammed uh, said to him. Uh, this is the government shooting itself uh, in the foot uh, by, by taking so long to prosecute. This whole concept, this Devil's Island and Kangaroo Court. The Kangaroo Court was undone by the Supreme Court, which after five Supreme Court rulings made it clear that they have to have basically fair trials with neutral judges and neutral juries, Lindsey Graham to the contrary, notwithstanding. Uh, Dick Cheney to the contrary, notwithstanding. But the process has taken so long. Uh, the defense team is the second defense team. The prosecutors are the third prosecutorial team. They're about to be on their fifth judge, all on the same case. And now this chief torturer, not an employee of the uh, government, but an outside contractor who tortured this guy for three years in Thailand, can't remember some of the basics of what happened during the torture. 
was one FBI agent present the whole time. She was a junior FBI agent when she started. She's now about to retire. She said in one day of testimony under oath last week, 199 times, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall. This is shades of Hillary Clinton and, and the uh, pink dress, the infamous pink dress interview, if you remember that. Oh, the blue but, dress, the blue dress, yes. Uh, Hillary was wearing a pink dress during her own interview. Oh. Blue oh, was yes. the dress that uh, Monica Lewinsky was wearing. <laughs> but back, back to where we were. If the government had not tried to craft a devil's island, if the people that are arrested and charged with uh, bombing the World Trade Center and bombing the Pentagon and and uh, causing the plane to go down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, had tri been tried in federal courts in those areas, the trials would have been over by now. They would have been tried, convicted, and punished, or tried, acquitted, and, and sent home. Only because of this military uh, nonsense, only because of the torture, which, which comes back to shoot the government in the foot because you can't use testimony obtained under or as a result of torture in any American court, local, state, federal, civilian, or military. Only because uh, of what Bush attempted to do have these people not been tried and has this uh, assault on, Amer on the American justice system taken place. That's what I read about this week. Judge, um, you uh, talking about uh, Guantanamo Bay. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on this, uh, on the question that I have uh, debated uh, hotly over the last several months. The question of the right of conquest uh, and the, the ceding of land to a victor in a war. If, if there were a just war, and you know, we, you know, we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty details of the Spanish-American War, Let's say, for example, that the Spanish-American War was a just war and that the United States won the war uh, after being attacked by Spain. Now, we know the, the, the stories about how the, the war was started, very shady circumstances, but let's put that aside for now. Is, is, this, is the ceding of territories such as Guantanamo Bay after a war, is that not a legitimate prize that is attained by a victor in a war? I mean, when you lose a war, you don't give back territory to the people who lost the war. I mean, how do you, from a libertarian perspective, how do you eke something like this out? Like the Native Americans, they had, if they attacked a peaceful settlement of settlers here in the United States, but the settlers won, you know, they take some of the Native Americans' land. They don't give it back. I mean, how do you sort, how do we deal with like that property rights question after a conflict is over, right? I mean, it's sort of the, the this concept of, if you start a fight with someone and you lose a fight, just like you may have to cede over money, right, and a prize awarding, you may have to cede land as well. Is that not a legitimate uh, method of acquisition if the, the conflict was uh, brought to your, to your gates and to your doors? How do, you, how do you look at this, Judge? Well, I mean, this is almost getting into the Walter Block, Hans Hermann Hoppe argument about uh, Palestine uh, and Israel, which I'm not prepared to go to now, but for the sure. Spanish-American War, um, the fact that Gitmo is U.S. property is the hook on which the Supreme Court hung its hat to require the niceties of due process. Now, did we seize that land? Well, when the war was over, we leased Gitmo, and our lease expired 35 years ago. We're still there. 
So we have effectively stolen the property because the lease is expired and we don't pay rent on it anymore. Uh, it's not uh, it's not a postage stamp. It's forty thousand uh, square acres, forty thousand acres. So uh, we we are there because we have the power to stay there and we don't want to leave. And the Supreme Court basically said it's the functional equivalent of the United States. You're going to have to follow all the niceties of uh, of due process. Now, from whom did we lease it? Well, we leased it from whatever government we installed in Cuba after the Spanish-American War, a government favorable to us and largely controlled by us. Is that a valid arms-length freely negotiated for a lease? Probably not, but for the first 99 years of that lease, we did pay for it, and they accepted the money, and they left us alone, the Cubans, and we left uh, them alone. Now, uh, we are uh, invaders on property that we don't own, aren't leasing, aren't paying for, but spend $100 million a year for upkeep. So it, w- it was the leasing that made it more legitimate in your mind? Not in my mind, in the Supreme Court's mind. Uh, the leasing uh, made it legitimate. For a while, the lease was a valid uh, lease. As I said, it may not have been an arm's-length negotiation. We were really negotiating with people who who's, were interested in pleasing us rather than doing the best they could for the Cuban people. I don't know the amount of the lease. I don't know how much money Cuba made on it, but I know it's no longer being paid. I mean, you know, let, let's not look at the Israel-Hamas you know, conflict here. Let's look at something closer to home, Native Americans in the United States. Uh, obviously, there have been horrible crimes committed against the Native Americans, but there were horrible crimes that the Native Americans committed against us and against Mormon settlers as well. I mean, is the proper stance that after we had won the the, the wars against the Indians, that the property that was there from the, from the, the conquerors and the conquered now being decimated and their populations being reduced, that property no longer being of use to the, to the conquered, that what, it's homesteaded? I mean, what is the proper transference, uh, what is the proper process for a transference of property that is legitimate in your mind from our perspective after a conflict is over? I mean, typically the victor, to the victor go the spoils, but in your mind, what is the most legitimate lawful transfer of property after a conflict? There's only one legitimate uh, transfer of property, and that's voluntary. And if it's not voluntary, it's not uh, legitimate. It's stolen. If you're the homesteader, if you are the first human being to acquire the property in the history of the world, it's yours. And somebody comes and kicks you out, it's still yours. The only legitimate transfer of property is voluntary. Jefferson made this uh, argument um, against the uh, Fifth Amendment right of eminent domain. Uh, Alexander Hamilton argued the government could take whatever it wanted just by taking it like the King of England could. Jefferson argued the government can't take anything, even for fair market value, unless the seller is willing to sell it. That the only moral, back to where we started, transfer of assets is one that's voluntary on both sides. Therefore, then, after the Indians had been decimated, their populations reduced, the, the open lands that are there then should be homesteaded. 
would be the proper way to allow because they no longer exist. The people who had owned the property there, they've been destroyed by the war, the famine, or the plague that occurs uh, in the aftermath of such a conflict. There's all of this open, arable land ready for uh, colonization, but it should be homesteaded. The government shouldn't, that, that just won the war, shouldn't involve itself in the transference of such property. Well, what you just said is, uh, is, is close to what Justice Neil Gorsuch said in the case involving a Native American tribe in Oklahoma, uh, in which the Supreme Court ruled five to four, the two-thirds of Oklahoma is, is subject to the authority of the Native American tribe, because two-thirds of the state, because uh, it was stolen from them. So the short answer is yes. The longer answer is, I mean, unwinding who owns property from a moral perspective would be a radically uh, catastrophic and, and expensive uh, undertaking uh, from the point of view of 2024. These uh, values and virtues uh, should have been uh, understood uh, 150 and 200 years ago, but they weren't. I mean, do you look back on Christopher Columbus as a uh as a slaver, a torturer, that he should have stayed in Spain and not come to the New World was, was you know, do you agree with the leftists who want to tear down his statues and destroy the, the legacy of this, uh, this great Italian explorer who left a trail of devastation in his wake, the death of the Native Americans? I mean, I, I can't buy into that mentality or that philosophy, Judge. I, I, I'm rather proud uh, uh, of what Christopher Columbus accomplished and of the native of the pioneers who came here to the United States, the Puritans seeking religious freedom coming here and and of the founding fathers who, you know, it, it's I, I, it's to say to renounce the legacy of your ancestors because they won a war strikes me as antithetical to the ideals of liberty for for not that I wish to impose my moral view on the Native Americans, but I also just I can't find it in my in my heart to make common cause with the Howard Zins and the Noam Chomskys of the world and their views of American society in conflict with the natives. I mean, how do you look at Christopher Columbus? Well, I look at Christopher Columbus as you did, who uh, opened up uh, vast tracts of uh, of land to a uh, to a civilized society. I mean, <clears throat> there were no property records at the time as to exactly uh, who owned uh, what. And the people that came over here and followed Columbus, who was no saint, but who uh, courageously was the first effective discoverer of the, new of the new world. We know people preceded him, but didn't open up the, the floodgates the way uh, he did. Uh, obviously uh, enhanced society, life, liberty, and property immeasurably uh, in the New World, and even for those who wanted to escape the tyrannies of uh, Europe to come to the New World. None of this would have uh, happened uh, if some ancient property right, well, we don't own this property, we can't even set foot on it, uh, had been enforced. This is a real conflict, isn't it? Because it... You know, how we look at these historic figures is changing in the modern age. The, um, the people who engage in this concept, I call this presentism, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, some people call it the moral time machine, is to look at people like Thomas Jefferson or Christopher Columbus, 
with the moral lens that we hold today and to judge them based on our current view of morality. Thomas Jefferson held slaves. Christopher Columbus killed Native Americans. Therefore, they must be dispensed with. But it, it's, it, it seems to me short-sighted to apply a modern view of morality to these men of history um, who turned the wheels of history. It, it's not to say that I necessarily lionize Genghis Khan, but the man, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to say, well, Mussolini made the trains run on time, even though we know that that isn't the case, that the trains were running on time before he took over as, as dictator. But it is, it is, I think, a fallacy to judge people of the past by today's moral framework, is it not? I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it's, I don't know if it's a fallacy, but it's unfair. Uh, it's unjust. Um, I mean, there are certain moral standards that have existed from the beginning of man's ability uh, to uh, rationalize. But, for example, this conference I'm going to next week in the Vatican uh, is to commemorate St. Thomas Aquinas, who accepted slavery, not slavery based on race, but slavery uh, as a uh, punishment uh, for crimes committed or, or because you were a soldier of a foreign army that was conquered. And rather than killing you or locking you up in a, in a jail cell and, and making your life miserable and feeding you, turned you into a slave. So under those two circumstances, he accepted slavery, something which we uh, condemn uh, today. So they're obviously, you know, Aquinas likened the view of morality, natural law, it seemed like hands to peeling an onion. And in every generation, you peel a little bit more and you see something that the previous generation didn't see. And your sensibilities for uh, moral propriety become a little bit more refined. So we can't expect uh, Jefferson um, or Columbus to have seen everything we see and have seen because those layers of the onion hadn't been peeled yet. So then, Judge, in your view, did the United States become an imperial power, a, uh, a colonizer, and an, an imperialist power under Teddy Roosevelt? Or did it become an imperial power under Thomas Jefferson with the creation of the Navy and the Barbary Wars? See, at what point can we look at in American history and say, here is the libertarian example, here is the libertarian spirit, if did it ever exist at all? If, if the, you know, the creation and the maintenance of a Navy, which, you know, entirely constitutional involves the taxation, uh, or the, you know, the theft, uh, of, um, of citizens, you know, tax dollars in order to protect American merchant shipping in 1786 to the early 1800s. I mean, by any libertarian measure, then the United States immediately turned on itself and became an imperial power under Thomas Jefferson's presidency. Is that how you view it, or do you see it as, as something different? Well, I see it. I, I don't view it that way, but let's get back to moral, constitutional, and legal. The Navy was constitutional because it's articulated in the Constitution. It was legal because Congress uh, appropriated the funds for it. It was immoral because taxation is theft. <laughs> so here we go again. Not moral. No judge is going to hear it. Absolutely constitutional. It says right there in black and white, maintain the Navy. Uh, and legal, because Congress, you can look them up, the statutes where Congress appropriated funds that are laughably small by today's standards, because they didn't have the Federal Reserve to inflate the daylights out of everything. 
uh, to appropriate uh, to appropriate the funds uh, for it. But yes, the United States uh, was imperialistic. Uh, there's no question about it. To this day, the United States believes uh, in uh, in colonizing. Do you know how many bases we have in Ukraine? Twelve. Do you know how many military bases there are across the the world? Well, when you and I were at Fox, there were 903. There's now more than 1,000 U.S. military bases in countries that have told us to get the hell out and we don't leave. So we continue to uh, colonize uh, and imperialize because of this nonsense about American exceptionalism that will make the, war, the world safe for democracy. That's hogwash. Boy, this is a good discussion, Judge, and I would love to continue on and talk about Teddy Roosevelt and uh, gunboat diplomacy, and we'll just, and it just irks me that I won't be able to have it with you next week, but I'm very excited to see your speech in the Vatican. Judge, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or perhaps a sneak preview of your show before we let you go? Well, I have two uh, very fascinating young guys on today. I have my heavy hitters on tomorrow, Professor Mearsheimer, Professor Sachs, Colonel uh, McGregor. Uh, but today I have Aaron Matei and Ryan Dawson, and these two, well, the young, they're about your age, uh, journalists are utterly, utterly fearless uh, in their uh, defense of basic moral principles and their verbal attacks on aid to Ukraine and on slaughter in Gaza. Uh, and I can't wait to interview the two of them. Uh, Aaron uh, is at uh, four, and I've, I've I don't remember when uh, Ryan is on, I think, uh, six. Hey, Judge, thank you for that. We'll keep an eye out for the Judging Freedom podcast. We'll miss you next week, Judge, but we are looking forward to seeing your speech about Aquinas and natural law uh, at the Vatican next Wednesday. Good luck, Judge, and safe travels. Thank you. All the best to you, Austin. Thank you. That's Janet Napolitano. Let's give him applause. What did you think? And those conversations, those are the kinds of things that I just really love to nerd out on. And thankfully, I only lost like 300 live viewers during that. So thanks for the 1,500 of you who stuck around through that conversation about history and military and politics. I will say, though, that I do feel myself sort of starting to detach from what you might consider the modern libertarian view of foreign policy in regards to the view that the United States is an imperial power or a colonizer, my view is very much just becoming much more, I guess, neutral, you might say, in regards to a view of foreign policy versus trying to apply. I think that you get into trouble when you try and apply an ideology to conflicts between nation states. It's not to say that ideology can't inform the decisions that you make, but it's sort of like the law of the jungle to a, a large extent. When you are in the jungle, what laws are protecting you from the tiger? What constitution can save you from uh, a crocodile in the water? The crocodile's nature is to eat. The crocodile's nature is to hunt, and it's only following through on its nature. It reminds me a little bit about the old fable of the scorpion and the frog. And if you haven't heard it, I'll tell it very briefly. The, the fable of the scorpion and the frog is that the frog wished to cross the, uh, that the scorpion wished to cross the water and it asked the frog to carry it on its back. And the frog said, absolutely not. You're my enemy. Um, your nature is to sting. And if you sting me, we, I will, you know, I will go under and we'll both, we'll both drown. 
And the scorpion says, well, you see, that's why you should carry me across, because obviously I don't want to die. So if you carry me across, I won't sting you because I don't want to die. And, and so therefore you should be able to trust me and, and carry me across the water. So the frog uh, accepted the logic of the scorpion uh, and carried the scorpion on its back. And as they were halfway across the water, the scorpion stung the frog. And the, as the frog starts to blubber and drown, and they're both sinking in, into the river, the frog asks why he, he did this. Why did he do this? And the scorpion said, because it is in my nature. The nature of evil is to commit acts of evil, regardless of any ideology that the forces of good may hold. Evil or evil nature is is a, a nonsense that, that you must attack, not necessarily with logic, but you must be prepared to use the types of violence that will protect you when you are playing the Game of Thrones, which is what the nation state is. There is no ideology that can protect you from violence uh, other than an ideology that constitutes one of a proper self and national defense. That's my view. You can agree or disagree. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, the, the text lines are open at 573-319-1586. Nancy Solorio says this is her favorite uh, segment all week. Glad you enjoyed it. Oh, Joni, I wish I had seen your um, your Rumble chat when you said, would love to hear the judge's opinion on the embryo saga. I'll have to ask him about that later. Please remind me when he comes back two weeks from now, if you can. Um, uh, let's see. Who Bob of Atlantis says, talking to Judge Knapp is like eating our vegetables. Very funny. If you enjoy conversations like that, you're in the right place. And I do hope that you'll click that subscribe button, just like Lakota did. Uh, we're grateful to have you as a subscriber to my channel. The show's schedule is every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd be glad and grateful to have you here. Um, congratulations, by the way. You all donated enough and bought enough goods from the AP for Liberty shop today to unlock the content. Thank you. Bonus content mini documentary for today. I'm very glad that I, uh, that I get the opportunity to share it with you. If the bonus content doesn't get unlocked by the end of the show, then it goes away forever. Yes. But thankfully, every single day since we started this segment almost a month ago, you all have unlocked the bonus contents, and today's no different. Thank you for supporting the Wake Up America show, and enjoy your bonus content. We'll be right back. Enjoy today's Hero of Liberty, Joseph Schumpeter. Who's Joseph Schumpeter? You'll find out. We'll be back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise in Freedom. Did you all enjoy that little mini documentary about Hero of Liberty, Joseph Schumpeter? Yes. His impact on modern free market economics and his role in the Austrian economic um, uh, um, history cannot be understated. Joseph Schumpeter, I'm glad that I can introduce you to him. Many of you might not have known who he was before today, but I hope that these little mini documentaries can get you introduced to these topics. It's been just an absolute delight to be able to share these with you. And uh, I just, I really love producing these things. I'm glad that you unlocked the content. Thank you for doing so. For everyone who's made a contribution today, 
to join the Wake Up America show with us, the thousands of people joining us live. Can I ask you, can we get a quick little like? Click that like button. I think we've got how many people we've had, thousands of people watching. And um, what do we have, 67 likes? Can we get a few more? I'd like to hit 100 likes, 79 likes. Can we get 100 likes by the end of the show? I think we can. All right. Well, we've talked about lots of big brain stuff. We've talked about uh, economics and history and politics and news and Nikki Haley and all this stuff. Are you guys ready to uh, talk about something a little bit more fun, a little more silly? Are you guys ready to dance? How about that, dude? We we need boo. Just because it's 8.46 in the morning doesn't mean we can't do a little bit of dancing. All right, so this video was making the rounds yesterday. Everybody was talking about it. So all these girls down in Louisiana, they're at New Orleans, and they're dancing, okay? And the caption on the headline of this by a Twitter user by the name of Playboy, Playboy's Paradox, um, uh, asked the question, which it's not a question, right? It's, if it's a question, it's a rhetorical question, you know what I'm saying? Uh, say, why don't men want Western women? Here they are now. Let's let's see here. Okay, here are the Western women. All right, they're dancing. Look at them here. They got they've got those big dumb cups, the Stanley cups. They've got beads. Right, it is Mardi Gras. It's in Louisiana. They're dancing. So this is what they say as an example. And what are they really talking about here? the decline of the west right they well this is this is an example of the decline of the west here we are the girls with their cell phones and their big dumb cups here's the lady with a chick-fil-a cup right they're dancing they've got frilly legs and their pants here we go she's dancing oh she's kind of cute uh and uh here we go yes this is the an example of the decline of the west oh my god clutch the pearls now, I want your take on this, okay? Drop a comment or send a text. Let me know, what do you think about this video? Is this an example? Is this video here of these girls dancing, is this a sign of the decline? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. I like that Liz Press sent me a text message. She says, Father, it looks good on you, AP. I know you're getting gutsier and more probing with your guests. Best morning show probably ever. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So these ladies are dancing. Is this a sign of the decline of the West? Is this, do, when you see something like this, do you say, as a Western man, if you're um, a Western man, we might have people who are, you know, in Asia watching us, who knows? Uh, but is this something, do you look at this and go, wow, yeah, I don't want anything to do with these women, right? Would you rather have women like this? I think this might be, you know, more along the lines of what they're looking for. Here's some Amish girls being asked questions about pop culture. Take a listen. What does WAP There's somebody from the East. Boingo Pungo Bon. Boingo Pungo Bon. That looks like either maybe Philippine or Thai. I'm not quite sure. But if you're here from the East, uh, what do you think about those girls? Um, here are some girls that perhaps might be more amenable to the original poster of the dance video. What does WAP stand for? Uh, Waterbella. <laughs> Park. That's <laughs> W-E-P, but okay. Hopi. Who is Batman? A guy in a horror movie. In a horror movie? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm almost sure Mennonites. It might be Batman. What does FML mean? Family must learn. <laughs> <laughs> Who is...
Ultimate Trad Wives. Get you a Charlie D'Amelio. A uh, Kid Street guy. That is cool. You learned about Charlie D'Amelio in school? Actor. An actor. Okay. No, boy actor. Okay. There you go. So if you if you don't like the girls here, you just get yourself a Mennonite wife. There you go. Now, for me, I like this response to it. Cat Canada uh, clapped back and said, you'd be the grumpy grandpa shaking your fist at these teens. So many years ago, too. Look at him. Look at him go. You're gonna dance with me, baby. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna dance with me, baby. No, is that it? The end of civilization? That's Marilyn Monroe just dancing her heart out. There's the guy who did all the telethons there. Is that it? Was that the end? Was that the end of a Western civilization right there? Here's my take on it. I think that you should dance. Can I get an amen in the chat? There's nothing wrong with dancing. I love to dance. Watching a bunch of beautiful American girls get out there and shake their booties and have a good time is just sounds to me as American as apple pie. Anybody ever remember remember the movie? Oh, shall we say Footloose? Yes. I mean, what could have been? I I miss the days when it was cool for men to dance. I, is it uh, to me the decline of Western civilization? is the fact that men are so insecure that they cannot get out there and dance. The only dance that we're allowed to do is line dancing sometimes on a Saturday, once a year, on your birthday. Maybe you get out there and dance. But let me just tell you something, men. Women love a guy that can dance. Watch Kevin Bacon dance. And if you, let me tell you something. I, I, I always got made fun of because I always loved to dance back in the day. I was one of the first guys to get out there on the dance floor. I mean, look at this shirt. Obviously, I like to get out there and be a little weird, right? But look at this. You're telling me that this is not masculine? Watch this. Bring back Kevin Bacon. Bring back Footloose. Look at that. Bring back men who can dance. Normalized men wearing pink. Normalized men dancing. Get out there and dance. Get your Kevin Bacon on. Don't make me be this. All right, yeah, that was the but that was a good one, but this is the one everybody remembers. Let's dance! Come on, guys. Women love a guy who can dance. But let me tell you something, you guys. You don't have to be as good as Kevin Bacon. Here's what you gotta do, alright? Here, all you gotta do is uh, guys are always like, oh, they yeah, the kid looking at you dancing. It's because you can't dance. Let me just teach you how to dance. 
Step and touch, step and touch, step, 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 just don't knock her over. That's all you gotta do. She'll do all the work. Just get on the dance floor. Here we go. Come on. Pick it up. Turn it up. Remember, guys, you are going to die, okay? Seize the day. I hope you dance. It's 8.54. It's time for us to go. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. I appreciate you greatly. It was an amazing show. Stephen Rue says, pizzazz, baby. What's up, Stephen Rue? Yes, exactly. Pizzazz. Step, touch, step, touch. Kick, ball, change. Animal man left. <laughs> Great bot to the right. All right, pot of beret. Pot of beret. <laughs> Stephen knows what I'm talking about. What's up, Stephen? My best friend from high school there, Stephen Rue in the house. What's up, Stephen? You came in on a good show. I hope you guys take a little bit of time to dance today and maybe do a little singing. Steven is a choir teacher after all, and yeah, in our early days, we danced. We went to the Ray Peck Middle School and High School dances, and we got out on the dance floor and we danced. We went to prom, and we danced. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. If you enjoy this show and you like it weird, you're in the right place. Make sure you click like, subscribe to the channel. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. Of course, Friday is Freedom Family Friday when I bring my lovely pregnant wife and... Baby P for Liberty on the set. My brother Justin Peterson will be joining us as well. So if you enjoy this content, you're having a good time, you'll definitely love it if you come back again tomorrow. Yeah, we talk about politics and news, but we also like to goof off as well. So if you're a goofball, you're in the right place. We're goofballs for Liberty. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show. Don't forget, visit APforLibertyShop.com. Buy yourself some delicious coffee and uh, get yourself a, some sweet Javier Malay merchandise on the Wake Up America show's channel. We'll see you guys tomorrow on the Wake Up America show. What is it at? WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Bye, guys.